And so to combat the thoughts that we have about God, do you know what God did? He gave us his thoughts about us. He gave us poetry that sings the glory of God. He gave us history that tells us of everything he has done to save us from our sins. He gave us narrative that weaves that truth into our lives. Also that you can know him. Also that you can know his salvation. Also that you could know this, that Jesus loves me. This I know. Say it with me. For the Bible tells me so. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. Sometimes as a pastor, there are days like today where I just got to stop and pinch myself. You know, I, I look around at the people that are gathered here today and my jaw drops to the floor when I think about how much of a miracle it is that anybody comes to worship here at Hope Lutheran Church. <laughs> I mean, this is a church. This is a church that doesn't even have a building yet. We are a baby, baby church plant. We're worshiping in a park today, and it's going to be 99 degrees later. It's crazy that anybody came out here today. And you know, this isn't a church. This isn't the church where people come because they have the best programs in the city. And this isn't the place that people come because the worship is, is like a concert. And this isn't a, a place where people come because the pastor is so wise and inspiring and influential and charismatic. This is a place where people come week after week for one reason alone. And that reason makes my jaw drop. Do you know what it is? It's God's word. It is nothing but God's word. The Bible. That book that, that contains God's word, his power, his will, his love, his enduring mercy for us. That book that shows everything that God did, sending his son Jesus to save us from our sins. This is the only reason that people come to hope. And I gotta pinch myself at how good that is. So I've got a goal with today's worship and for today's sermon and and that goal is that you come to know God in His Word more and more. I want that for you. 
But as much as I want that for you, of course, God wants that so much more for you. And and you're going to see that the Apostle Paul, the reader of the text that we are about to get into, he wants that for you too. This text that we're about to read comes from the book of 2 Timothy. It was a letter that Paul wrote to his protege, a young pastor named Timothy. And in this text, you're going to see him encouraging Timothy to hold on to God in his word more than anything else. I'll ask you to read this with me and learn with me here. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through chapter 4, verse 5. Paul writes, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure a hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, these are your people, your children. You've promised them your spirit. Give them your spirit through your word today so that they love and honor and receive your holy scriptures, the word about you in love and faith and hope. Amen. There is this medicine that I know of. It's the most powerful medicine in the world. When you take the prescription for this medicine, things like HIV, things like cancer, things like the coronavirus, things like a heart attack, things like even a backache become things that cannot have power over you. that sound good? People throughout history have called this medicine the medicine of immortality, but I don't want to sell this medicine short, so I'm going to keep selling. This medicine is also well documented to be able to handle spiritual ailments. This medicine that I know of, it will alleviate feelings of worthlessness. It will combat feelings of loneliness. 
It will go and it will attack things like depression and anxiety. This is a healing medicine. And again, I don't want to sell this medicine too short. If I haven't sold it on you yet, then this probably won't be the thing that seals the deal because there are side effects with this medicine. There's quite a list. When you take this medicine, you will feel, you will experience less irritability. And you will experience more profound love. And you will be able to be more humble. All right, so I I haven't sold it on you yet. I'm going to try one more thing here. I, I don't know. If I haven't sold you yet, this is probably going to take it way, way, way off your radar because the way that this medicine is administered is more painful than chemotherapy and more intrusive than a hypodermic needle. Do you know how this medicine is administered? It is administered through word, through compelling music, through readings, and through sermons like this one. Do you know what this medicine is that I know of? It's a big, scary word. It's doctrine. All right, I'm, I'm done with my, my big, sarcastic introduction. I, I wanted to introduce that big, scary word, doctrine, to you today, and I wanted to do it in a little bit of a clever way because I know something about doctrine. I know that doctrine, for many of us, maybe even all of us, will even say probably all of us, doctrine has been a word that has hurt us. I think there are some of us here who have only ever experienced doctrine, heard the word doctrine from a pastor, pounding on his pulpit, red in the face, pointing right at you, telling you all the ways that you have messed up and failed as if doctrine was just a weapon that gets used to scare people into heaven. And I know that there are some of us here who have who have experienced doctrine as indoctrination. Where you're getting taught by a church and it feels like proselytization, like you just got to know these things so that you can be part of the club. And I know that some of us here today have experienced doctrine and they have learned the doctrine correctly, but somehow it didn't still feel right because it felt like the person teaching you cared more about whether or not you got it right than he did about caring about your soul. See, I know, I know that about doctrine, that for many of us, doctrine feels a lot more like a club getting it beaten over the head with than it does a pillow that you can rest on <clears throat> or a medicine that heals you. 
But that is the way that Paul talks about doctrine in this text. That's the way he talks about the Word of God. He says that this is the only thing that can heal your heart. We're going to get there. And we're actually going to get there by starting at the end of Paul's text. See, Paul describes to us in an ingenious way the mess that's in our heart, the illness that needs to be healed. Paul wrote this in this text. He says, There will be a time when to suit their own desires they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Now I want to explain the implications of this. Paul is saying that we by nature are terrible religious consumers. He's saying that as religious consumers, we are aware that there is an itch that needs to be scratched within us. We know that there is something that isn't what it should be. And so we, by nature, go out into the spiritual marketplace and we go and we find the thing that we want to hear. By by nature, we know that thing that we want to hear, but we do not know the thing that we need to hear. And so we go and we find that thing that scratches our itch and we do not let God's word into our heart. And I want to talk about why that's dangerous. When we don't let God's word pass from our ears to our heart, something happens. what happens is that the mess in our hearts stays a mess. Our hearts never have to acknowledge that that there is sin, and sin is real, and that sin is offensive to God. And when hearts never have to acknowledge that, that sin is real and sin is offensive to God, then hearts never have to acknowledge that the sin that they have committed makes them offensive to God. And when a heart never has to acknowledge that it has sin that has made it offensive to God, then God becomes nothing to that heart. God becomes unimportant. There is no reason for Jesus to have died. That's why it's so dangerous. When we don't let God's word go from our ears to our heart, then two things happen. One is that our sins become hidden from us. They're hidden but not gone. And the second thing that happens is that when our sins become hidden from us, then God and his saving grace becomes hidden from us. So why am I preaching about this today? Am I preaching like this to to take doctrine and use it as a club to beat you over the head with? No, I hope not. I'm preaching about this because I want you to know Jesus. 
I'm preaching like this because I want to share with you not what your itching ears want to hear. I want to share with you what your heart needs to hear. And what your heart needs to hear, what all of our hearts need to hear, is about the gospel of Jesus. You know, it's not possible for us to truly know Jesus, if the best that we want Jesus to be for us is someone who confirms the beliefs we already have, then that's not really Jesus. If we want Jesus to only be something that confirms the things that we feel, the things that we believe in our hearts, then what God, what Jesus is going to be, is he's going to be a ray of sunshine on your cloudy day. You may like Jesus, you may love Jesus, but all, your, all the use you will ever have for him is you will bring him out when things aren't looking good and he will be your ray of sunshine on your cloudy day and then you'll put him back out of your life when it's done. And man, I want Jesus to be more for you than that. I want him to be more than just something that warms your face on a cloudy day. I want him to be someone that has so much more than your ear. I want Jesus to have your heart. I want Jesus to be the lion in your life. I want him to be the lamb of God for your life. And as much as I want that for you, I got to tell you, God wants that for you so much more. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know his son. He wants you to know what his son has done to save you from your sins. He wants that so much that he gave you an unparalleled gift. He gave you the Bible. He gave you the word. He gave you his word, his thoughts, his will, his love, his mercy so that you could know him. I told you that this was my goal for the sermon today, that you grow to continue to know Jesus and his word. And so we're going to start here in that God gave you his word. And Paul tells you how he did it. He says that all scripture is God-breathed. You know what that means? It means that every single word that is printed in your physical Bible, every word that you read on the screen of your smartphone, that is a word that God put down in history for you to know him better. All scripture is God-breathed. And you know what Jesus told us? He told us that every I is dotted perfectly in his word. Every T is crossed without error. That means that the Holy Spirit has preserved God's word in its perfection throughout millennia. The words that we read in English are the same words that were written down in the Greek and Hebrew language millennia ago. And you know what else is amazing about God's word? The Holy Spirit didn't just inspire people to write down bullet point lists of what happened. 
he gave us a literarily speaking beautiful masterpiece of a book. He gave us poetry. He gave us narrative. He gave us history. He gave us genealogy. He gave us creeds. All so that you could know him better. So that you could see the way that he has worked throughout the world and throughout your life. The Holy Spirit, he crafted perfect words, perfect sentences, perfect books for you. And he raised up the perfect writers. He raised up a person like Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible. He raised up Moses to have a better education in Egypt than he could have received today at Harvard. And he raised up a guy like the Apostle Paul, who wrote a huge chunk of the New Testament. He rose up the Apostle Paul to be an academic and theological dynamo for us. The Holy Spirit, he inspired every word of the Bible. Why? So that you could know God better. So that you could see, so that you could read with your own eyes and hold his word in your hands so that you could see what Jesus has done for you. You know that the Bible is a tour de force for the human soul and the human mind. That is why it's called the Bible. Did you know that the Bible, that word Bible actually means something very simple? It's a word that simply means book of books. And that's true two ways, right? It's true because it is a book that contains books, and it's also true because it is a book that will transcend every other book forever in human history. The Bible is God's word. Now, why would the Spirit go to so much trouble giving you this book? Why would he go to so much trouble writing down these words which, with such care so that you could hold them and read them for yourself? Paul tells us this too. He says that the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You know, the, the through faith part is, is the really important part here. Because do you know what kills faith, what puts a deadly tumor on faith? It's doubt. And do you know what kills doubt and puts a deadly tumor on doubt? It's truth. And so what God did, what the Holy Spirit did, is he documented the truth about him to banish all of our doubts so that we could sit down and read with our own eyes and know with our own minds and have confidence and faith that Jesus really did die. And because Jesus really did die and he really did rise, we will rise too. For thousands of years, people have been captured by the poetry of the Bible. They have been moved by the narrative. They have believed its history. And do you know what all of the scriptures 
have done throughout all of those years. All of the scriptures, they function to do one thing, to push one doctrine into your heart. Do you know what it is? All scripture functions to show you that Jesus Christ, God's own Son, died and rose to save sinners. You know, I I phrased it that way on purpose. I talked about doctrine on purpose there because I want to thrill your heart with something this morning. I want to thrill your heart and I want to share with you that Jesus is a lot better than you think he is. Do you know that he is a lot better than you think he is? Maybe you came in this morning thinking that Jesus is good and Jesus is kind because he is powerful and able to work miracles in your life. That is true, but Jesus is so much better than that. And maybe you came in this morning thinking that Jesus is kind and Jesus is good because he forgives all of your sins and that's true and that is saving. But did you know that Jesus is even better than that? See, what Jesus truly came to do is not just to forgive rotten apples that fall off of the rotten tree. What Jesus did is he came to forgive the rotten tree. Jesus came to forgive who we are by nature. He wants you to know this. He wants you to know that it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Why else would he give you beautiful words of poetry? Why else would he give you pieces of narrative that weave Jesus into your life? Why else would he give you his word if he didn't want you to know that it's true and it's true for you? I got one, one more thing I, I want to share with you to push this truth into your heart. Do you know what the hardest thing for a person to believe is? Over the last two years, I have become convinced that the hardest thing for a person to believe is this. That Jesus loves me. I think that's the hardest thing for people to believe, that Jesus really loves me. You know why that's so hard to believe for us? It's because of our hearts. It's because of what Paul said, that we are terrible religious consumers. We know that there's an itch that needs to be scratched, but we don't let God's word go from our ears into our hearts And then we get a peek into our heart and we see that there is a mess there. And then our hearts start to spiral. And we start thinking, God could never love me. God could never forgive me. And we start to doubt whether or not God is good. And so to combat the thoughts that we have about God, do you know what God did? He gave us his thoughts about us.
he gave us poetry that sings the glory of God. He gave us history that tells us of everything he has done to save us from our sins. He gave us narrative that weaves that truth into our lives. Also that you can know him. Also that you can know his salvation. Also that you could know this. That Jesus loves me. This I know. Say it with me. For the Bible tells me so. Amen. Amen.